Good evening, everybody. We are here with our Q&A, the last for this month. 172 says the screen. So before we, we once again, we thank you for all the questions. We even had questions from little ones, though I don't know whether we'll take it today from Colfax County. Little one, four-year-old. Little one, so even they write questions. Yesterday we had another four, last week we had another four year old from here asking questions. Even the little ones are asking questions. But once again we thank for all the questions. Before we go to the main session, we shall look to the Lord once again. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come at all of us here, all the listeners offline, online. Today, days to come, for everyone, Lord, many in the body of Christ who are not well, I speak healing into their bodies, O Lord. You are our healer, Yes. and by your stripes we were healed, O Lord. Touch them, touch them, touch them. O Lord, touch them. Let them believe. Let them believe. Let your healing virtue flow into them, Lord. The God of who restores the God who delivers, the Lord who sets captives free. We believe in the finished work of Christ Jesus. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Touch, Lord. Touch. And give us the wisdom, the discernment, when as we answer the queries, O oh Lord, we commit ourselves and all who listen into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, this question was an overflow from last week. Okay. Let's look at question number four. It's talking about the importance of prophecy in the life of a Christian. What is the importance of prophecy in the life of a Christian? If something has been prophesied, does that mean it will surely come to pass? Then do we pray about it or for it not to happen if it's positive or negative? Okay, let us, let us... Let us go to the word. We'll look at a couple because this is an important question which everyone struggles with. First we go to First Corinthians chapter 12. And we read from words 8 onwards. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation, interpretation of tongues. And one and same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, individually as he wills. Okay, so now these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is not the office which Jesus has given. Now, you go to the book of Ephesians. Okay, if you go to the book of Ephesians and chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 and 12. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. 
and he himself gave some to be. Now this is talking not of the Holy Spirit, this is talking about Jesus. He himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, excuse me, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now these are offices or callings from Jesus Christ. The other are gifts distributed by the Holy Spirit. Mm. These are not the same. One is an office. We see the office of the prophet in the new covenant uh, very rarely. The office is there, but uh, it is not so prominent as in the old covenant. The reason is because in the old covenant, all the prophets were assigned to a nation called Israel. Israel yes. There was a very specific nation called Israel mm. with geographical boundaries, people, tribes, kings, leaders, and all. Mm. So you would know this is a prophet. Mm. And we know Moses is a prophet. Okay, Moses is a prophet. We know Elijah is a prophet. We know Elisha is a prophet. We know Jeremiah is a prophet. They are specifically prepared for that. Mm. They were set apart. The preparation of the prophet takes a long time. It is not easy. It takes a long time. The the old covenant prophet, you look 40 years in the wilderness. Elijah comes out of nowhere. How long he was, we do not know. Elisha walks with Elijah for 18 18 years before the mantle can fall upon him. Jeremiah has called as a young man and then is put through the fire because these are old covenant prophets and they're literally spokesmen of God. Mm. So that's a different kind of an office. In the new covenant, even though the word prophets are used, which Jesus gives prophets, the church is not a physical nation. Yeah, it's not, it's universal. It is universal. Yes. So you you technically cannot have a prophet like the old covenant Mm. in the new covenant. Mm. Because if you have that kind of a prophet in the church today, then everyone in the church should have access to his voice, mm. which is impossible. Exactly. Simply impossible. It is not possible because mm. you have the church from Fiji to Alaska, from South Africa all the way to Latin America. Churches globally spread around from every tribe, every language, every culture. So you cannot have a national prophet yes. like in the old covenant. Okay, you mm. cannot have. You may have a local prophet, yes. a localized prophet, but more than that, what we see is we see the gift of prophecy. We have the gift of prophecy is given for exhortation, for edification. Now you go back to First Corinthians, but this time we go to chapter fourteen, 14, 14. because twelve is talking about the gifts, and fourteen explains. Okay. Verse uh, 14, okay, and verse, uh, sorry, chapter 14 and verse 3. First Corinthians 14, 3. First Corinthians 14, 3, talking about the gift of tongues and that gift of prophecy. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and, and comfort. comfort to men, okay? Okay, now if you come to verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? teaching. So there are different ways you can speak. Okay? So sometimes what happens is 
when somebody is speaking connected with somebody or an event, we have to use discernment. Now, again, come to chapter 14. Okay, uh, chapter 14, and there is uh, uh, this where we see in part. That's in uh, chapter 13, actually. No? Yeah, chapter 13 and verse, uh, verse uh, 9. Hmm? Chapter 13 and verse 9. Got it? For we know in part and we prophesy in part. So there is a limitation put in the new covenant. Hmm. You don't see fully. You only see partially. You don't see fully. So is it a prophecy? Is it a revelation? It's a word of wisdom. It's a word of knowledge. It can all sound the same, but it may not be the same gift. May not be the same gift. Mm. Okay? And fact is that even the one who speaks is not able to see it fully like the old covenant prophets could see. This is where the confusion takes place. This is where the confusion takes place. And now, even in old covenant prophecy, let us say a word of knowledge, whichever you want to go to first Kings chapter uh, 17, where you have what you call Elijah and the widow, right? Yes. Elijah and the widow. Verse 13 and 14, 17, 13 and 14. You can call it a revelation. You want to call it a prophecy. You want to call it a word of knowledge. You want to call it a word of wisdom. Whatever. It's not a word of wisdom, but it can be a word of knowledge. Wisdom is different, okay? Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. Make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. And then, now his tone is changing. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. So mm. what is that? Is it a revelation? It's a word of knowledge? It's a prophecy. It can be any of these three. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord, until the day of the Lord, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Okay, now it's a very localized revelation of prophecy, word of knowledge affecting just two people. Yeah. Two people. Okay, implication locally is two people, but if you obey, it will affect nationally because what you are doing is you are sustaining the person who can open heavens. So even though it looks very local, it has a national significance. But if you look at what he is saying, it is conditional. The condition is in verse 13. 13. If you do what I say, you said you have only this little flour and little oil. You go do one thing first. You make a cake for me and bring it to me first. So this whole thing can fall apart if she does not obey. And God will bring. It's not that God's word was wrong. I have commanded a widow in Zarephath. But remember, whenever God prophesies or commands or uh, gives a revelation, it is he is not subverting the free will which he has given man. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the limitation of prophecy, or word of knowledge, or revelation. It is dependent upon the hearer's obedience. Mm. Hearer's obedience. Okay, if this woman, that's what, uh, basically, this is what uh, Mordecai is telling Esther. 
You've been put here for a time and a yep. season like this. But if you choose not to believe and obey, you, you will die. Yes. But deliverance, deliverance will come from another side. You God's prophecy, there will be another widow. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Will be willing to obey. Absolutely. Okay? If Mary says, if Mary says, uh, doesn't say, let it be unto me according to the word of the Lord, there will be another. God will just wait. Okay, time is not a problem for him. Time is a problem for us. We delaying God is a problem for us. God is not affected by any of these things. Another virgin will rise up from the line of Joseph who will obey. Okay, so this is where we need to understand. All prophecies are subject to the person who hears who believes. Okay, hears who believes and the person who hears obeys. Okay, but we are also, if you go to Thessalonians, okay, if you go to Thessalonians again, First Thessalonians chapter 5, you go to First Thessalonians chapter 5, where it talks about prophecies, and yet to be careful. 19, okay, chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 and 21, okay, do not quench the spirit, okay, do not despise Prophecies. Prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Okay? Don't despise prophecies. You have to be careful. Okay? You have to be careful. But he says don't quench the spirit. The spirit speaks in different ways. And I know that there are a whole lot of things that's a very uh, cryptic kind of instructions given in that passage. Okay? One line, one liners, one liners, one liners are given over there where it says, you know, if you, if you go to Verse 15 onwards, you will see one liner. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. Okay? But always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. Then verse 16, rejoice Mm -hmm. always. See, these are commands. Okay? And I will say, how can I rejoice always? The simple thing, these are all practical. See, the the Bible is very practical. Okay? Very practical. Simple thing is that when you were in the world, when you were happy, what was your first response? Without realizing, you started humming a song. So rejoice always. I don't feel like rejoicing. Why don't you just sing? Why don't you, why don't you just sing? Okay? You don't have to feel. So many things which you feel you don't do. Like I always tell people, if you can think right and talk, uh, sorry, if you can think wrong and talk wrong, why can't you talk right? Why can't you talk right? Why can't you think right and, I mean, you're doing the other. Anyway. Anyway. So just (laughs) talk right. What do you have to lose by talking right? But the Bible says you gain a lot by talking right. Mm. You don't have to talk everything that you feel. No, you can feel one thing and talk another thing, and that's what we always do with our wives. No, we may think one thing and say something else <laughs> altogether, right? We men are very good at that. No, we may be so angry inside, but we'll turn and say, "Honey, I hope you are fine." No, God says you are all very good, <laughs> crooked you are, right? But God says you can think wrong, but you can talk right. Ultimately, what matters is what you say. It's not just what you think. As long as you do not have let it out of your mouth, it still does not have power. When it is released from your mouth, that's when power happens, Mm. either on God's side or the enemy's side. So it doesn't matter what you go through. You can still open your mouth and think right. So there is something being said. First, rejoice always. Okay. 
pray without ceasing. The question is not whether your prayer is going to be answered, is being that. Leave it to God. Our job is to pray. His job is to answer. Mm. The problem is that we sit in his chair and don't do our job. Our job is to pray. His job is to, to answer. answer. How, when, which way he answers, leave it to. Our job is to pray. And you can pray simple. If you don't know, write it down and read out. Do things practically, okay? Third thing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And then, when you come to verse 19, it says, don't quench the spirit. Meaning, if you do not do these things, you quench the spirit. Yep. Because the spirit wants you to do these things by faith. Hmm. Okay, that's how the background is being said. Rejoice, do pray, these things. Give thanks. If you do these things, hmm. what happens? You're not quenching the spirit. You're filled. The spirit is the whole, it's remember, it's S is capital. You're being filled more with the spirit. The spirit activates your spirit. Pastor, the, interestingly, the word quench is used in the context of the five virgins. Who did not have oil? Yeah, the, oil the, no. They ran out of oil. The same word quenches quench used. Is used. Okay. Quench is Why used. did they run out of oil? Mm. The simple reason is they didn't do these things. They were good people. Mm. They were not sinning. See, not doing the things you're not supposed to do is one thing. That's great. But not doing the things you're supposed to do, this is, these are two sins, the sin of commission and the sin of omission. And most Christians, good Christians are guilty of the sin of omission. That's what James will say. So, do not despise. Put it over there and let us come to James so that we understand. Because we are not just doing theoretical physics here. We are looking for solutions to human issues here, okay? 417, James 417. And come back here, okay? Therefore to him, who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So God says rejoice. The discipline of praising God, singing, rejoicing, okay? To give thanks. Doesn't matter what you feel. I mean, it doesn't matter what you feel. If you look around, you're better than most. If you really look around the world and what people are going through, you are always, there's always somebody in a worse situation yep. than you. So you have anywhere reason to give thanks. Hallelujah. Hmm. Okay, and if you look at it, what? Okay, then I'll show you again. Go to Timothy. Okay, Timothy. First Timothy 6. First Timothy. And uh, chapters, uh, chapter 6, 6 and 7. And 8. 6, 7, 8. Okay, 6, 7. Chapter 6. 6, 7, and 8. Now, godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Okay. Having food and clothing, with these things we shall be content. Even housing is not mentioned. KCR is giving housing, thank God. But the fact is that even housing is not mentioned. Okay, and the norm. If you look at our own church with all of you, I don't think there is a single person in our church who is without clothing or food. Amen. Food may change, but you have food. Mm. Clothing may be different, but you have clothing. And God says, you should be content. See, we are not looking at scripture. We are looking, we are reacting like the world. And God says, of course you will be miserable. I told you you are not of the world. You are not of the world. If your aspirations and thinking, everything is like the world, then what the world goes through, you will go through. Mm. The world goes through depression and oppression and discouragement and all these things. But you are not of the world. And I told you I will take care of you. And the fact is that if you look back, I look back, I look back. Every day I have food. 
Today I have too much. Huh? No clothing is there. No clothing is there. No, I mean, but when we start looking at like the world, I don't like my food. I don't like my clothing. And God says, having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. content. Okay, so we have to be scriptural. We have to, but that's where that's where the liberty lies. And then we are when we are content. We are able to rejoice. We are able to give thanks. And then what happens? You know what? Then we actually, going back to this thing, we don't, dis- we don't quench the spirit. Mm-hmm. You see, to have discernment, okay, to have discernment, discernment is something which the spirit gives. Mm-hmm. It is not from your, your intellect or anything. Mm-hmm. Discernment is from the spirit. The spirit is the one which quickens your spirit to show you this is what is wrong or this is what is right. Soul and spirit. Okay? There is a division between the souls and the spirit. That's when the word of God, it doesn't matter which vessel it comes from. The word of God, when it comes, it is quickened by the spirit. Mm. It's a spirit who quickens the word of God. And when it quickens, it cuts between the soul. We are all soulish beings. That's how we were born. That's how we function. But the born again Believer is not supposed to function just in the soul. He's supposed to function in the spirit. But if he has to function in the spirit, the Holy Spirit has to quicken the word. Even the prophecy he's hearing, it quickens and gives him discernment. That's why it says, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Mm. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. So how do you know? It's the spirit who gives you discernment. Mm. And the one to whom it is being spoken, actually, he is the one who is given discernment. But the person who, let let us say this, uh, let us say, Pastor Vijay preaches tomorrow. In the middle of it, there is a prophetic word. Let us say he just goes, let me say, off tangent, but it's not off tangent, it's a spirit tangent. Okay? And you prophesy. But the prophecy sitting over there may not be for anybody. It may be just for one person. Mm. Just one person. That's how it works because that's how you see Jesus' life. He just goes to the Samaritan woman because when he prayed in the morning, he's directed there's a woman over there, go meet her. He comes to the pool of Betrida, he searches and finds one man, heals him and walks away. This is okay. That's meant just for one person. So sometimes a prophecy could be just some. So many may receive it, but it may not be for them at all. <laughs> but the one for whom it is actually being sent should have that quickening in the spirit and knows God is speaking to me. God is speaking to me. Okay. But even in prophecies, there are always conditions attached. If those conditions are not met, it will not happen. It will not happen. So is it a word of knowledge? Is it a word of uh, revelation? Wisdom. Is it a word of uh, wisdom? Is like knowledge and wisdom are, are wisdom. I won't bring it into this. Word of wisdom is something like you are in a situation like, you no, know, Solomon needs wisdom oh, to crack that. Yeah, yeah. But word of knowledge is you knowing something about somebody else. Precisely, yeah. Precisely, mm. or somebody else, okay, so, or somebody else. Word of wisdom is basically to crack something. Uh, yeah, to apply it. But in these, a are all revelatory these are all revelatory. revelatory these are all revelatory gifts. Yeah. Okay. So the condition is, even if it it is a like, let us say, you know, there were so many prophecies about President Trump. 
Mm. A lot of questions are asked. How exactly. did it go yeah, wrong? And this also. thing mm. and all that. But the simple thing about it is that the prophecies about President Trump is also connected with the nation. Yeah, exactly. Connected with the nation. And in also mm. in some mm. sense also with the universal body of Christ. Because like you were saying that what happens in the U.S. kind of affects the Christian. You, Christian yeah. Trump. To a level, to yes. A level. To a, all depends. Okay, all depends. But the problem is first it is connected with U.S. And the problem is, is there is a prophecy over a man. But the issue is, if the nation is not ready, the nation is not ready. Okay. Let us say, God had a man for Israel. People wanted another man. Mm. So God gave them Saul. Saul was never God's man for Israel. But the people didn't want to listen to the prophet or to God. That's why God, Samuel gets upset and God says, why are you upset? They did not reject you. you. They rejected me. me. They rejected me. So you know what happened? Though it is David who is being prepared Hmm. to take over Israel, okay, the people didn't wait. They picked Saul. And then you have 40 years of a mess in that country. Okay, so God's intention, even God's will for, He doesn't overrule. He doesn't overrule. Okay, He doesn't overrule a human. You see, in that, in that incident with Elijah, you need to look, okay? If you go to 1st Kings 17, you will, okay? Hmm? Verse 4. Hmm? Verse 4. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And the Bible says in verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now when it comes to verse 9, it says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. The difference is that when it comes to the ravens, the ravens are never asked to do anything. Because it's an animal or it's a creature. The free will, these mm-hmm. things don't have it. Matter, yeah. Does not have it. So when God commands an animal or commands a bird or whatever, they just obey. Yes. But when, as soon as a human is involved, the, the free will, will comes into being. Wow. She's mm-hmm. asked to do something. So you have a same scenario. Same scenario. You will see it always everywhere. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you come to the book of Genesis, hmm? And, uh, uh, chapter 6, hmm? and verse 20. Chapter 6 and verse 20. Of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind, what? Will, will come, come to you to keep them alive. They came, he didn't have to do anything about the animals or the birds. They just came to his ark two by two. But to the men, he had to preach for 120 years and nobody got in. What's the difference? They don't have a free will. They don't have a free will. We have a free will. So this is where it comes. Whenever there is a prophecy or a word of, this is a word of knowledge. Because when he says, you, when earlier when he says, you have to get all the animals in, Noah was be cracking. He said, how do I get the animals in? How do I make these animals in? And then when God clarifies, they will come to you. You don't have to worry about it. It's very easy to come to an animal. They will come to you. But to the men, the human beings, it says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. 120 years is preaching. 
They have to be convicted by the preaching. They have to believe in the preaching. And they have to obey the preaching and get into the ark. But nobody did. What's the issue? There's a free will involved. It's a free will involved. So that's where all these things you need to realize. There are prophecies and prophecies are spoken. And when it's an individual prophecy like Allah, this widow at Zarephath, she has to believe and do in extremely drastic situations, dire situations she is in. She's got only this much flour and this much oil, enough to, she thought, for her last meal. And then she is asked to make first and give it to the prophet. Hmm. Faith is... Be- <coughs> If she obeys, her bin will not run out, oil will not run out. And she obeys, and therefore it happens. But if she does not obey, she will die. Prophet will not die. Mm. She will die. Because God will tell, rise and go to that another, next, place, another yeah. place. Okay? When it comes to a national thing and there is a person involved, the prophecy is not talking about Trump. The prophecy is talking about the presidency. You need to understand the difference. Mm. The individual is a person called Trump. Mm. But the prophecy is connected with the, the office of the presidency. Mm. The office of the presidency. And the issue is the presidency is going to affect a nation. Affect a nation. But for that, the people have to believe. The people have to believe. And if the people don't believe... The people don't believe. And on the other hand, the people actually react the other way around. Other way around. Okay. Please, please, uh, you see, God is not worried about the church. He'll take care of his girl. It's totally. Okay. Our whole issue has to be about salvation. About Everybody is worried about economics. So many people want Trump to come back for economic reason, for closing the border. All those are uh, political issues. God is not interested in any of these issues. Huh. God is interested in something which is called the salvation of the souls. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when the church is not interested in that, and is actually interested in all the other things. Like I said, the solution God has for any problem is always first and foremost spiritual. It's a spiritual solution. Mm. It is not what we call economic solution or a political solution. It's a spiritual solution. Mm. But people don't want spiritual solution. Okay. See, in India it does not apply, but it does apply in US because it calls itself a Christian nation. Calls itself a Christian nation. Okay. But in, if you call yourself a Christian nation, then your priority first should not be political, cannot be economic. Okay. It has to be spiritual. spiritual. Mm-hmm. But if it is not spiritual, what do you do? You just delay your own mess. You delay your own deliverance. First is spiritual. Mm. It, 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 it cannot be because God is spirit. He's seeking always for people who will worship him in spirit and truth. But you don't want the spiritual. You want all the others. God says it still doesn't make any difference. Still go down. Even if Trump becomes president, if the nation does not repent and turn spiritual, after four years it will go down. You cannot, you cannot stop it. But Whenever a nation, if you look in the kingdom of Israel, that is the paradigm for us. Every time a godly king rose, 
his first thing was spiritual. Yes. Whether it is Hezekiah, whether it is Jehoshaphat, yeah. whether it is Josiah, uh, their first reaction is spiritual. It is never political. They realize the temple. They realize the worship has stopped. We haven't celebrated Passover. There are idols all around. You know what happens. They go in over there. They restore. And then the other thing starts falling into place. They start winning wars. The rains start coming in season. The nation starts prospering. But we want nation winning, prosperity coming in without restoration in the spiritual realm. And God says, I don't do it. I have kept a paradigm over there. And the same thing works at an individual level in a Christian home too. Lord, I want this. Lord, I want my children to do well. I want to do this thing. But the spiritual is never the first. Wow. The spiritual is never the first. God says at the individual level or at a national level, my ways don't change. My ways are always the same. My ways are always the same. It never changes. The spirit first. Okay, and that's where the issue. The issue is not often with the prophecies; it's issues with the hearers. Because when they hear a prophecy, even if it's a true prophecy, you can run with it in the flesh. Run with it in the flesh, and that's what Jehoshaphat is happening. Jehoshaphat, they have a sitting over there. All the prophets, false prophets, come and they are prophesying and prophesying and prophesying. Everyone in one. Unity, incredible unity. And Zafatafas feels a pricking in his spirit. He says, is there anybody else? Is there anybody? Immediately Ahab says, yes, there is one, but he never prophesies anything good about me. But there is nothing good about you. Anyway. <laughs> How can you prophesy anything good about you when there is nothing good about you? And Jehovah says, call him. Call him, no. So this is how we have to, but we have to, we have to realize, you know, so, this is where the church goes wrong. The church, okay, like, you know, like last Sunday's message or everywhere we go. You know, I mean, every, we have, we have listened through the week. God has promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, which will not be a land like Nile, um, Egypt, where you had to pump the water with your feet and all that. He says, I will give you rain in season or what everything he said is first conditional. You do this, you do this, you do this, don't worry about me, I will do this, do this, do this. But in the process, before he could do that, he brought them through the wilderness. The wilderness was basically to reveal our heart. It was always there. But the problem is, when the conflict comes, that is when it comes out. It was always there. So God pushes allows you know. so Jesus was driven into the wilderness but when he was tested what came was what was inside what is coming out also is what was inside nothing is coming out of him what is not inside so when he was tested what comes out is faith when Israel was tested what comes out unbelief. is the unbelief and anger and uh, no depression way. and discouragement all these things are coming out the thing is, it was always there inside, and God didn't bring them there to condemn it. You see, when a doctor sends you for all these tests and what is inside comes out, he's not condemning you. He says, this is here, the test reports are here, now let's deal with the problem and get rid of it. No, I want a solution, but I don't want to get rid of this. God says, there can be no solution. Are you willing to get rid of this? 
Now, what we read in Thessalonians is how you get rid of this. Okay, you are depressed. God says rejoice because the spirit of depression and the spirit of worship cannot exist together. Yeah. If you worship this fellow will leave. No, see, there are no tablets for this. <laughs> see, this is the walk of deliverance. Nehemiah says, uh, put on the garment, uh, not Nehemiah. Isaiah. Yeah. The joy of the Lord is our strength, Nehemiah. is what Nehemiah says. Isaiah says, put on the garment of praise when the spirit of heaviness comes. So how do you fight this? He says, sing. I don't feel like singing. But you don't have to feel. Faith has got nothing to do with faith. Faith has got to do with what is true. What is true? Okay, but Shravan is driving on the road and the road is full of traffic, but I don't feel like braking. What has got to do with brake? You're feeling there are cars right next to you. Better brake. But I don't feel like braking. No, this has got nothing to do with feeling. This has got to do with truth. The truth is that if you rejoice and you choose to rejoice and choose to sing, the spirit of depression will leave. I'm feeling terrible. Okay, put a zip on your lip. Open it and speak what is right. Mm. Speak what is right. What does God say? Because you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But how does the devil do? He makes us depressed. He makes us discouraged. That is not his idea. His idea is not to make us depressed or discouraged. His idea is to make us depressed and discouraged and say it out. Say it out. Yeah. The speaker. Say it out. Because he has no control over him. The control is what God has already spoken. God has spoken life and death is in your tongue. Whoever loves it shall eat by its fruit. So he will cause us to be depressed and speak death. Then it starts working on us. Working on us. So wilderness is not the issue. The issue is, do we believe what God has? That is what basically faith is. See, like I said, the Bible is not for everybody. Though everybody can read the Bible. The Bible is for God's children. These are the father's words to his children. So the simple thing, first thing God says is, if anyone comes to God, he must believe that he is. That is where it starts. What is that? When you read the word of God, you must believe that he is. That is what Bible says, by faith we understand. This is for the people of faith. So others who don't believe and argue, and why do you even want to listen to them? This is a family thing. You don't even listen to what they are talking about the Bible also. I don't want to hear what you say, but what is that Bible got to do with you? The Bible has got to do with me and my father. Is your father? No. Then I don't, why are you talking about my father? This is not a national book. <laughs> this is a personal book. Why do you take my father's letter and argue about it? He is not your father. He is my father. If he is your father, then you want to argue with him. So the Bible says, by faith we understand. We understand. So that is the key. By faith we understand. So the first thing that anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. Okay? And then you go through all these parameters. We understand there is prophecy and there are prophets. Or the office of prophet. There's no international prophet anymore. There could be localized prophets. There may be... Even national prophets are very difficult today because if a Pentecostal prophet prophesies nationally, the Baptist will reject it. 
the Lutherans won't receive it. The Methodists will despise it because we have broken into so many denominations. Many of them don't accept prophecy anymore. So to have a national prophet may speak, but the church is so terribly divided, terribly divided. But so God is trying to bring his church into the spirit. The church is a spiritual entity. Okay? It's a spiritual entity. So God is trying to. But even there, like I said in Noah's days, at the end of the day, only eight were taken. Okay? Enoch's time, only one was taken. One was taken. Because we don't even understand, we understand salvation, but we are not understanding the purpose of salvation. What is the purpose of salvation? What was lost in the garden could be restored back. What was lost in garden? Fellowship was lost in garden. Man used to fellowship with God. Adam and Eve used to walk with God. Fellowship was lost in the garden. What did sin do? What does sin actually do? Sin breaks fellowship. So what is God trying to do through salvation? Dealing with sin so that fellowship can be restored. But if you are not interested in fellowship, then what is the point of salvation? Like I was telling yesterday, we had a no day for yesterday, right? Yesterday. Simple Friday. thing, Friday. right? No? Friday. Companion. Uh, yeah, I said Acts chapter 42 40, uh, talks about four things. fundamental things. One is that they gathered steadfastly or regularly for the apostles' doctrine. Mm. Two, fellowship. Three, breaking, breaking of bread. Prayers. And four, prayers. prayers. You take fellowship out, none of the others have any meaning. What do you need doctrine for? So that you can fellowship. What do you need breaking of bread oh for? Lord. So mm. that fellowship can be restored. Mm. What do you need prayer for? Because a fellowship in somebody in the fellowship is going through something or needs something or it's all got to do with fellowship. Mm. But if there is no fellowship, then none of the things have any meaning. What do you need doctrine for? So the pillar that holds it, now when your rapture takes place or Jesus comes, the millennial kingdom comes or we go to heaven, whichever way it is. Now let me look at it. You don't need doctrine there. You don't need breaking of bread there. You don't need prayers in heaven. But what will continue forever? Fellowship. Mm. So the whole pub, that is why the first thing is not multiply, bless. First thing is it is not good for man to be alone. alone he so. needs fellowship. His fellowship with me, but he does not have anyone of his kind to fellowship with. So let him make this. I have given him the free will. So the Bible says God brought every animal to to Adam to to allow him to name. And when he is naming, God is listening because naming has got to do with fellowship. If there is so, when he brings Eve, he names according to his nature the mother of the living. And immediate mouth is his flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. It is talking about fellowship. It is talking about fellowship. So in a home or in a church, the core part is fellowship. If you don't fellowship, nothing works. Nothing works. Nothing else works. And that is why when a husband and wife, when they fight, what is the first thing that goes? Fellowship goes. You may still break bread. You may eat. You may pray. <laughs> Prayers are not heard. Prayers. Yeah, you may pray. 
mechanically monotonously you will praise the amen and go your different way but fellowship has ceased so you will realize the fundamental purpose of salvation is for restoring fellowship and everything is connected to every gift of the spirit of god is related to that if i am healed if i don't fellowship more what do you need your healing for to be an introvert what do you need your healing for if you receive a prophecy and it does not add to the fellowship then what is it for everything is connected the fundamental thing is connected with fellowship, fellowship. and that is what you have to guard Amen. what Amen. what messes up fellowship what messes up fellowship and some people are okay without fellowship when god is not okay without with without fellowship he says that is the prayer why did i my son come and die what was the purpose of it restore fellowship just to restore fellowship at a personal level man with god and man with man that is the key so you always have to test is doctrine working is breaking of bread working prayer working just test fellowship your relationship with the body of christ and your relationship with god i'll prove it to you go to 1 john One John, chapter one, right? Chapter one, okay. Verse five, one five, and six and seven. One John, chapter one, five six seven. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, first is fellowship with him. The word fellowship, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Then, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So the whole thing is about fellowship with him and with one another. So that's the whole thing about. It. Hmm. Okay, and that's that's how the body. And of course, it doesn't mean you go around and fellowshipping with everybody in the body. No. But there is a, uh, unity. Hmm. You know, like I said, now this morning, uh, today, in this whole day. Consciously, I fellowshiped with my foot only twice. When was that? When in the morning, when I was going out, I put on my socks and my shoes. And in the evening, when I put my shoes and so, so I consciously fellowshiped with it only. So you may consciously fellowship with some parts of the body of Christ only at certain times, but there are certain parts of the body you are constantly in fellowship mm. with. Mm. So you cannot say, "Oh my gosh, I have to be constantly be fellowshiping with all parts of my body." No, it's not possible. But you are still fellowshiping. But even if your tiny toe is hurt, the body feels. Then immediately there is an orientation, recalibration that takes place because now you realize that one needs attention. The whole body has to. So even when you are talking about prophecy and all, if you do not bring the body of Christ into the mm. picture, you will not understand any gift of the Holy Spirit. You will be just a prophet like Bala, hmm. whose tongue has been taken by God. He opens his mouth to curse, but only prophecy, which are blessings, will come out. But you have nothing to do with the body at all. You are disconnected from the body. You see, you speak. But your heart is not in that, and you will ultimately be cut down by Joshua. So there are prophets like that too, because they have no fellowship with the body. Why is Balaam killed? 
What is the reason? Is he, what is he, is a seer? Is he seeing wrong? No. Is he speaking wrong? No. Mm. So what was the issue? He had no fellowship with the body. Mm. And therefore he's judged. So this is how we have to look at it. Everything has to look at. Don't just have a family, run a family, or we just be a random part of the church. The key is this. You need to fellowship. Even Elijah became suicidal. You need to understand. He said, I want to die. I want to die. You know what God did? Gave him fellowship. Mm-hmm. Fed him. Go up. First he fellowshiped with God. And first God, God asked, what are you doing here? Fellowshiped with God. Then he says, go down, anoint. And among one of them you will anoint this, Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Take him with you. Mentor him. For the next 18 years, he has somebody to fellowship with him. And he doesn't commit suicide. He goes up in glory. Because even the prophet needs fellowship. That's how God has created us. Mm. That's how God has created So you have to put in the core of this, my fellowship with God and my fellowship with man. Mm. This is the purpose of everything. Everything. And... You won't be this. That's what the church is actually there for. The church is a place where people gather to fellowship. Of course, fellowship is there. Many of the people in the world are happier than us, though they don't have eternal joy. It's because their happiness comes from fellowship. Mm. In the bar, there is wonderful fellowship. In the football stadium, there is wonderful fellowship. All these common things, they come together. Temporal, common things around which... And they look at us and say, why are, you, why are you not happy? You are the most good. But the fact is that we should be honestly much more happier than them because we don't need any of these things to be happy. Oops. Mm. Okay? Anyway, mm. Because we know we are connected to God and we are connected to one another. This is what changed the first century church. Why were people being converted? Because when they saw them, they said, you know what, these people actually in the world have nothing. But they have something which we don't have. We don't have. And that is what, like I said, you take anything in the word of God, any gift, any office, anything. If you didn't, if the core part of it was not fellowship, whole purpose was fellowship with God and fellowship with man. And that is basically Paul and Barnabas's fight over Mark. Because Paul says this fellow broke fellowship and he left. He won't take with him. Barnabas says I will take with him. So they broke. They didn't go alone. Barnabas took Mark and went Paul took somebody else and went because they understood. Even when Jesus sends somebody, he always sent them two by two. The, the, the dissension was so strong. The yeah. dissension was so, so strong. strong. Yeah. <laughs> Apostles. So we, even when you talk about, see, because we use this word fellowship in two terms. One is our relationship. The other, it is the body of Christ. Wow. It is the body of Christ. So even when prophecies are spoken, even if it's a national prophecy, it has only got to do with the church. It has got nothing to do with those who don't believe. It's got nothing to do with those who don't believe. So when Elijah prophesied, he prophesied over Israel. Later on Mount Horeb, he receives the direction from God about anointing two Israelites and one Syrian. 
the Syrian has got to do with Israel and not to do with Syria. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with Syria. It's got to do with Israel. Yeah, so God is not prophesying over other nations. He's prophesying only over his people. And that's where we need to understand. He's prophesying over his people. That's how we need to understand. But it is in part. We see in part now. The office of the prophet, as in the Old Testament, is relatively not there in the New Covenant. Yes. Pastor, you, you mentioned about uh, Noah being a preacher of righteousness. And uh, the animals, they were absolutely driven by God to the ark. And, but he was, it was not possible for him because of the involvement of the free will. Free. Although he was a preacher of righteousness. Now, the question is, if you take the paradigm uh, and see the current scenario as of now, do you think it becomes even more intensely difficult to evangelize in the last days? Not necessarily. Because, the thing because is, of the existence of the free will of man and also it the is fact n- that... It is not the... Um, the free will of man is there, I understand. The free will of man is there. But post-Christ, the scenario has changed. Before Christ, the demonic was in control. Hmm. Okay, demonic house in control. Post-Christ, the demonic actually has been defeated. Death has been overcome. Atonement is there once and for all. So the church has been given authority. Mm. Authority. Israel was given authority only over their enemies. The church has been given authority over powers of darkness and principle. He has been given that authority. But the church has to get its focus right. The problem with the church is that the church has been so completely deceived. The church is focused on the temporal and not on the eternal. Mm. When, you, when you when you are focused on the temporal, then your authority, your power vanishes. Because the devil is in control of the temporal world. He's the ruler of this world. Mm. You lose You lose your focus because you have taken your heart and your minds from things that are above and brought it down. Mm. Brought it down. So you lose it. You, you lose your authority. The church has to reorient it and go back and think about what is the whole thing the church has to do if you really, really want peace and joy and happiness. Let Jesus come. Then, let Jesus let come. come yeah. Then all this trouble will, everything will be over. But the only way Jesus will come is the gospel has to be preached to the ends of the world. So the church has its duty of creating the climate through which hearts can be touched because the ruler of this world has blinded blinded Mm. the minds of the people. Because if a simple, rational man, let us say Shravan sitting over a rational man, not a Christian, a Hindu or a Muslim, who's not into arguments or anything, if his mind is very, very clear and he really is searching the truth, if you were to listen, and if the gospel is very simple, who would want to reject the gospel? It's my question. Who would want to reject the gospel? Religion says you have to do this, 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 and at the end of it, uncertainty. You may, you may not. No guarantee is given. Here you don't have to do anything. Just really turn away from doing all these things. Put your faith in Christ. You will. Who didn't want that? So why are not people receiving it? It's simply because they are blinded. Mm. So the church has been given the power 
to, to open eyes or rather create that situation where that spirits can be taken out. And that's what the church should be focused in. But the church is focused in like, you know, when we pray for Trump or we pray for somebody, it is they will create a situation where there is relatively security, peace in a land for the preaching of the gospel. Mm. We don't want anything from the government. Yes. Other than to create a fair Society. Society. Mm. That's all we ask from the government. Because the government should not feed me. That's not your job. Because if you feed me, then you will tell me what mm. to do. Mm. I don't want you to feed me. I don't want any freebies from you. I just want you to give me an opportunity to work, equal opportunity to work, create situations so that I can work, yeah. and the freedom to believe. Mm. The freedom to believe and to propagate, yes. speak what I believe without hostility. Let the Muslim speak what he has to say without getting violent. Let the Hindu speak what he has to say. It's a marketplace of ideas where there should be freedom. Let the Buddhist speak. Let the Jain speak. Let the Muslim speak. Let the Hindu speak. Let the Christian speak. Give them. Because if you can have freedom to speak on every other issues, you should have a freedom to speak about this. Basically, what is religion got to do with? Religion does not have to do with life. It has to actually do with death. Actually, if there is no death, nobody will be religious. Absolutely. Mm. If there is no death, there is no religion. Religion will fall on its face mm. if man does not die. Why do you need religion? Because there is something called death. Yeah. Take death away, there is no religion. No religion. So death is a certainty. You cannot avoid it. So let us have a marketplace where ideas about how to handle death is given. Let people have the freedom to believe and choose what they want. That is all we want the government to do. Create an equal kind of a not system, opportunity, where everybody can choose their own livelihood, create a fair ground, and to to deal with this question, that is life. Education, basic education, what we need, water, electricity, roads, do all that thing so that I can decide how I want to earn my livelihood. Hmm. Two, how do I want to face death? One is life, the other is death. This is all the government has to do. But when the government doesn't do that, only takes care of life, but will not allow you to deal with death. The government has still failed. So when Paul says, pray for uh, those in authority, if you have to read the subsequent verses, what is that? So that we can live lives of peace. Peaceably. That's how you have to look every. That's what I said. You have to look at everything in the light of the gospel. Otherwise, it does not make sense. It does not make sense. Hmm. Because there is something that happened. Everybody has to agree whether you believe in creation or not. Something called death came in. And whatever you do, you cannot escape that reality. You will die. If you will die and that is the end, I need a solution. If death is the end of everything, then it doesn't matter how you live. But if death is not final... Then I need a solution. I want to hear about it. Hmm. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, Pastor, so we have a corollary to this question, therefore. This is question number one. <laughs> question number one says, uh, Dear Pastor James, do you believe you are in the last days? This is my question. How much time do we have? 
do we have a couple of years uh, the thing is that we cannot set time we cannot set time the science are there the science are there but again the whole question is my only question is this i mean i am this is also personal if you ask me is it the end what is my worry salvation of unsaved loved ones unsaved loved ones that's my worry unsaved loved ones and my my own case yes. because i you know it is your final exam wow. you got only one exam you need to score well you want to finish your for course for eternity mm. eternity so that two things a personal element involved is i know i am saved but i don't want to be very sure how i finish mm. and the issue is that i am not worried about the antichrist and what he will do and all those are irrelevant things because we know he's get only 7 years mm. let us talk about our country if there is a term limit every prime minister gets only 5 years and we won't worry about even if it's a bad prime minister ah 5 years later you'll be gone antichrist has only 7 years so why do you want to worry about somebody who has whose whose term is limited 7 years christ is forever and ever so we are not i am not so much worried about i'm more worried about what he will do the, to the people whom you love what he will love if they are not saved your loved ones are not really saved people you saved and then you said because we are not just fathers we are also spiritual parents you look at the church and you says oh lord how many are really prepared how many are really really prepared okay so that is the whole thing so where are we there in the last days the question is we are definitely in the last days today more than any age before because time is anyway moving it's linear it is moving so we are reaching the last days second unlike any other season before the signs are very very visible very very visible and the things are things are moving too fast we never saw things moving so fast but again when you look into scripture there are places where it is written the bridegroom delayed why should the bridegroom delay because we see over and over again that god is a god who delights in mercy he hates judgment no father unless he is wonky and weird and warped by demonic loves punishing his children yes okay only the the demonic loves punishing god hates punishing but he has to do because of his righteousness but the bible says it is a work which he dislikes <clears throat> what he likes is mercy okay but the problem is when you talk about the day of the lord there is a finality with it judgment begins salvation is over so god as a father you no know, will delay it you know like you no know, let us say you come back home and the mother says you know what did you know this is what the child did the last thing you want to hear is that okay you know you have to do something about it but you are also delaying it to see if there is remorse okay. there is change then you don't have to punish hmm okay. so god is also delaying and the whole question is didn't god know only eight would be saved the question is why do you have to wait for 120 years 
120 years. The thing is that you delay works which you dislike. That's nature also. That is, our nature is also like that. Things which we we dislike, we postpone it. We postpone it. Okay, because God delights in mercy. <coughs> delights in mercy. Mm-hmm. So, if we are living in the last day, the question is, what should we, it's not, let us see, what should we do? Mm-hmm. Okay, go to the book of Joel. Chapter 2. Verse 1. Blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Okay, not in the world. You don't speak all these things in the world. That's why we block our comment section because there are people who will log in who have got nothing to do with the kingdom of God and they have got everything to do with in the kingdom of the, not even the world, the kingdom of the enemy and they will start manifesting and writing all kind of junk. This is not for you unless you want to get delivered. Get delivered, okay? Blow the trumpet in Zion. What is Zion? Zion, for like this is old covenant, so we have to look into the new covenant. Put your hand over there, the book of Hebrews. Okay, book of Hebrews, chapter where is it? I should have brought the other one. Chapter twelve, Pastor. Yeah, no, we've we come have. to the heavenly Zion. Yeah, Hebrews chapter twelve, and uh, uh, no, no, it's not. Yes, it's twelve, twelve. Yeah, verse 22. 22-23, then all you will get it. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to in an innumerable company of angels. In verse 23, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, mm-hmm. to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. So when you are talking about the word Zion, there's many connotations in the Bible, including where God dwells, where the angels are, also where the church is. So now this is connected with the church. So the Bible says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Not among the angels, not with God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. coming. It is at hand. So the question is, is that day near? That's irrelevant because God, we don't know. The question is, it is getting near. What should we do? Go to chapter 2 itself, verse 12 onwards. 12, 12. And, okay. 12 onwards. Now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. How radical should it be? Come down. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing babies. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber. The bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. 
do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them why should they say among the peoples where is their god in verse 18 then the lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people this is the format every time this is the format so it is not whether the end is near the question is if the end is near it is a terrible terrible day it talks in two blow words one blow the trumpet in sign and all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the lord is coming for it is at hand verse two Darkness. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. It will be so terrible. It says it will be so terrible that day. It's called by different names throughout the Bible. It's terrible day. It will be okay. It will be terrible for the unsaved. It will be a terrible day for the unsaved. And the question is, that's where we should be focused. What do I need to do? the day of the what should i need to do personally what should i need to do follow that precept you no know, instead of focusing on myself i should be focusing on the other rent cry out lord save my children lord save your people lord save the loved ones save the complacent turn them lord turn them around turn them around turn them around that should be our focus and so that's not our focus our focus is all on other things though in our church we always have the the bunch of prayer requests which is for salvation of unsaved ones but whenever i read joel chapter 2 i always how radical are we am i radical am i what is god demanding tomorrow is your your wedding let the bridegroom come out she's there in the beauty parlor getting ready for the wedding let her come out it's not telling her to do that we're talking about how radical because if the day of the lord is near these days don't make any difference mm. makes uh, mm. nursing babies little children bring them all <sighs> all gather sound the trumpet gather because you know he says when that day comes he says it's all over none of these things will have any meaning anymore because something else begins okay so that is how we need to do the church cannot can be complacent the church has to individually personally family wise we have to change our attention to salvation because when the day of the lord comes and the prepared church is taken trouble is over forever it is over forever it is only for the those who are left behind it is terrible if there is a rapture I always put a if over there because there are godly people on all schools Okay, but that's it. How much time do we have? I don't know. But I know what we need to do during those time. That time we have. This is what the Bible says. This is what we need to do. Cry out, cry out for salvation. But we have become sometimes. I search my heart. Have we have we become so carnal that we are we are trying to look for like uh, like the Hindus talk about Ram Rajya on earth. That's what we want. we don't want christ to come we don't want christ to come we want the antichrist to be put away and you also don't come but make a life good on earth but god says the solution is my son comes hmm. my son comes oh boy okay <laughs> my son comes the solution for you is that my son comes when my son comes kingdom for a thousand years and then eternity begins it's all over no grief no sorrow not all this thing but what is our block to that 
what is our block to that? I always ask, I honestly ask, what is our block to that? One I know, it's got to do with salvation. There's so many I love who are not saved yet and I don't want him to come before that. I don't want to be salvation. I'm saved. Uh, you come and take me. No. That's not going to happen. That's not, there's a lot, a lot of people who are not saved. So tarry. Tarry, Lord. Because, okay, if you tarry, it's hell on earth, but it's okay. Better than this one's going to hell. This one's going to hell. So you have to see it that way. Our reaction has to be biblical. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we become very selfish. I am fine. My wife is fine. My children are fine. We are ready to go. Who cares about the others? God says, if you don't care for the others, you are not ready to go. You are not ready to go. That is where again fellowship comes. You are not ready. You are not connected actually horizontally. It's like the Pharisee praying, Lord, I've done, I've done, I'm not like that fellow. God <laughs> says, you know what? You're not even justified. You're condemned. You're condemned by your own words. You're condemned by your own words. That's how we have to look at it. So I don't know. Not a couple of years. Oh Lord, I hope not. Um, a little more Lord to get everybody in. You have to keep preaching. Some are stubborn, but I do believe. See, sometimes it's so, this is where faith comes and see this intermingling of faith and fear has always been there right from the beginning. Even great, great men of God, fear and faith will always come. Let us say you love somebody, a son or a daughter, and you want them saved. And you have need to have the courage and the boldness to say, Lord, whatever it takes, you do to save them. Sometimes you do not know what will it take to save them. They may come back just like the prodigal son, having lost everything, gone to the pits, to the pig pen, messed up, and come back. Some of them will just come back like that and they may have only a few months of life left to live. They get saved and die. But the question is, are you ready to go through that? So sometimes we are not willing to pray radical prayers is because it's self-love. We want to avoid that pain. But because we choose to avoid that pain, many will go to hell. It's not about, oh Lord, spare. No, it's spare me that pain. Of seeing that one go through it. Mm. Spare me that pain. We need to search our hearts. Why are we not willing to pray radical prayers? And we'll say, no, I don't want to see him or her or that one to suffer. No, it's not that. You don't want to suffer. <laughs> you don't want to suffer. You don't want to suffer. I know. So, oh boy. So You have to put it. How much time do we have? We shouldn't be worried about it because for us, Christ coming is the greatest event of our life. So our worry about that time period has to be connected with two things. One, people who are not saved. And second, our own second, personal, our our own personal, personal rewards. Our race will I complete? Boy, will I be found worthy to escape all this and stand before it? Two these questions we need to ask. Or will I only come through death in tribulation? 
These are the questions. Because that day is terrible only for those people. It shouldn't be terrible for gods. I mean, the bridegroom is coming for the bride. Why should she be grieving? She should be rejoicing. Should be rejoicing. That's the way. But the fellow, other fellow knows the time is up. Seven years and I'm done. And all who are with him. Delayed, hmm. delayed. Yes. Reveals your heart here. Pastor, next question. Question number two also. I think we should uh, tackle this. Is Why do we have to tolerate people in our lives who do not wish us any good? They just want to harm us all the time. If only you knew who wrote these questions. I can't believe a question like this comes. Okay. But the thing is that <coughs> you don't have to tolerate. Why are you tolerating them? Why are you tolerating them? Mm-hmm. You don't have to tolerate people who want to do you harm. You just to walk away. And walk away. In the past <coughs> few days, we have been uh, reading the daily devotions about the wise and the foolish. Mm. And one of it talks about walk away from those people. Walk away from those people. Okay. <coughs> the issue is, uh, it is not like one size fits all. Okay. The reason here is also you see, let us say, let's put it across. Let us say, Pastor Vijay is not a pastor, okay? We are using an example, he's not a pastor. Let's say, Mr. Vijay and Mr. Shravan got into a business. They are together, business partners. They are together in business. And then down the line, Mr. Vijay gets saved. The issue is the business is still there. Now what has happened is it is light and darkness. Temple of God and the temple of Belial. Now you suddenly realize there is an issue in this partnership. Earlier you could do lots of things. But now you cannot do lots of things. But if you try to put across, there are objections. Now your old partner, partner, your old partner, is now actually turned hostile. But if you break the partnership, you will suffer great loss. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing? Exactly. Yesterday we looked at uh, Apostle John's introduction, Revelation 1. I, John, your brother and a companion, companion in, in tribulation. tribulation. Okay, so a, compa- a brother is not, not always a companion. Mm-hmm. You know? A companion is somebody who shares in your tribulation. So this is the issue with these kind of problems. The problems is the question. That's why God straight away comes and tells us, uh, it's not, not that you should not be friendly, polite. He said, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The problem is when people get yoked to unbelievers, unbelievers, when there is a unyoking or decoupling, it's a very painful thing. It's it's almost like a divorce. It's a very painful thing. Because we are yoked. A casual friend in the office leaves and all go. But remember, you were in a partnership. Okay? Let the unbelieving spouse go. 
you are not constrained, yes, but when it goes, it rips you apart. Especially if they are children, it's, 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 it's the pain, the pain involved over there. So, but what has happened, God says, you have to leave. Because if you don't leave, they will cause harm. Mm. And when they cause harm, they won't have any guilt because they will say that you broke the terms of the partnership. Oh. In one way, they are true because you were darkness, he was darkness, two dark people got together and you had a partnership. But now you became light. So he is saying you broke the terms in which we worked before. But the problem is you cannot work on those terms now. You cannot work on the terms now. The fact is that when you have come across, and that is where the issue comes, people are not willing to suffer loss. The loss could be one, monetary. You could be wiped out. The loss could be your reputation. Okay. The loss can be everything. Loss can be everything. But why are you willing to suffer loss? You're willing to suffer loss for Christ Jesus' sake. That is the reason. You realize, I cannot continue in this fellowship and fellowship with God at the same time. At the time. same time, yeah. That's what Jesus is talking. He's not saying you can love your father, mother, brother, sister, wife, everybody you can love. But if you love any one of them more than me, you can't be my... He's, he's not saying you can't be a believer. He says you can't be my disciple. Can't be my disciple. If you want to be my companion and walk with me, learn of me, if you love anybody more, it doesn't matter who it is, who that person is. The condition is the same, like we've been looking in the Nepali church. Abraham loved his father. His father stopped him. After Haran, his father doesn't want to go and Abraham is stuck over there. Abraham loved his nephew because he has no children. He has his nephew. Wherever he goes, he takes his nephew along. And finally, God has to allow a situation to happen over there and separate the nephew from that. Hmm. Abraham loves his son through Hagar. And that son also has to be thrown out. Everywhere. Why is Abraham willing to do all these things? Simply because God is showing Abraham the only way you can walk with me is to see that others who do not love me are part of your intimate fellowship. If they are becoming a stumbling block to your fellowship, then you have to let them go. That's how you show God is first. There's no other way. There's no other way. So the simple question is, why are you allowing people who hurt you to stay with you? They don't wish you were good. They don't wish you well. Why do you tolerate them? Let them go. Let them go. But the question is, why are you not letting them go? What are you afraid of? Loss? The harm they may do to you? The loss of reputation? Is all these fears? Then, if you fear, fear will control you. Fear will control you. Hmm. Okay, fear will control you. That's... That's how you have to look at the situation. Okay. But if you wanna, you want the liberty, the freedom which God brings, walk. And the writer of Hebrews talks about it. How people went through those, the plundering of their goods. They lost everything. They Why? Gladly. They gladly lost everything. But you have to come. And that is where, you know, like, uh, we, we saw on Thursday, 
The only thing written about Enoch primarily other than Jude's letter where he talks about he prophesied about the second coming, which is of course relevant to Enoch's life. Hebrews 5 and 6 is basically talking about Enoch. And the only thing primarily mentioned in the book of Genesis about Enoch is that Enoch walked with God for 300 years and then he was no more. He was the first symbol of rapture. And the question is this. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 5 and 23 onwards, if I'm right, okay, it talks about Enoch that after he, yeah, okay, all the, you, yeah, all the years, okay, if you go, if you 22 go to actually. 22, okay, if you go, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. It's a very important line. After he begot Methuselah, not before. Before it must have been a casual believer. But after he begot Methuselah, after he begot Methuselah, he walked with God. So the key is Methuselah. Methuselah, the name Methuselah, its meaning means when he dies, judgment will come. Judgment will come. And it's a mercy of God. Methuselah is the longest living human being ever, 969 years. Okay, nine hundred. So, what caused a man to walk with God and to be rapture ready? The concept about judgment. Yeah. That is why. The last every question is talking. Is it over? It's over. It's over. The question is, if it's over, what is it causing you to do? Nothing else will make <laughs> you walk. Consistently with God. Yes. So, Pastor uh, Vijay will use he use this this thing about Narayana and the other what is Ch- that? Chaitanya Narayana and all. Why do those students do well? Is it because the students who go there are better than the students outside? No. no. It's because they have daily exams. That's the reason. They are prepared for the final exam but constantly being reminded about exam, 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 exam. When you walk in the light of judgment, you will walk with God. That's the only way you will walk with God. Okay? So when Enoch was born, if my mathematical memory is right, Adam is still alive and he's yes. 622 years old. Yes, 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 right. He's 622 years old. So he has a witness of two things. One, a man who actually walked with God. Two, a man who knows the severity of God's judgment. Mm. You can walk with God and God can love you so much, but because of his righteousness, he kicked him out. So there is a man of witness of two things. What it is to walk with God and what it is to face the judgment of God. What it is to mean the break of communion, fellowship, what God will do mm. when sin comes up. So he has a witness here, his greatest grandfather, who has walked with God and who has seen what judgment is. So he has his witness. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. The word of God for Enoch will come from Adam. What is to walk with God? What is to know what is judgment? When he deals with these two things, he walks with God. And the Bible says, and then he was no more because God took him. 
So the intention of it all is always good. God has never intends anything bad. He says, I will tell you about walking with me. I will tell you about judgment so that I can take you to be with me. That is my intention. But we don't see the intention and we are always pulling our head, day of the Lord, day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord should be the most exciting thing because you've been walking and when the day comes, you're gone. And you can walk with him ever without worry, without fear, without any doubt, any suspicion. All is over. So that's what the Bible is talking about. Okay, so that is how we have to look at everything has to be seen in the light because there is a day. Day, like I still know, 12 years, LKG, UKG plus 10 years. This 12 years of studies is connected with one day when you get your class 10 results. When you say text, results have been declared, you are going on the system, punching in you. When the result comes out, you know what the result is? It's a 12 years of academic life, one day. Mm. <laughs> Our entire life is one day. It's called a day of judgment. Of course, those who are saved do not have to free fear because there is no condemnation. But then you are being judged for your rewards. What is your grade? So everything has to be seen with, even with the people, with people, okay? Don't uh, think that Christianity is a religion which is tolerant like Hinduism. It's not a tolerant religion. It's a very intolerant, it, it, it is not tolerant towards sin at all. And if there are people who love their sin and will walk in their sin, not who are fighting sin and struggling with it, that's a different, who love their sin. And walk happily in their sin. And say, you have to walk with me, otherwise I will not fellowship with you. I will do you harm. Let them go. Separate from them, is what God says. Do not touch them. Anything unclean. Then you will have a different level of relationship with me. That's what he's talking. I will be your father and you shall be my son. You will, you will have fellowship with me. You are not really able, I'm your father. But you're not able to relate to me, to me as a son is simply because this is bungling your relationship with me. When you let go of me, this, you will be able to really be able to experience your relationship with me. Okay. That's what God is talking about. Otherwise, you know, like little Ira is there, like we were sitting and talking, you know. How do we talk to Ira? We talk to Ira only as a child. Ira only as a child. But 10 years from now, you will talk to Ira in a different way. 15 years from now, you will talk to Ira in a different way. What has happened? What? It's still Ira, right? But it's still not Ira. Something has happened. She's grown. She's matured. So you are talking to the same person at a different level. Only difference is this. As she grows, your fellowship can be intense. Your fellowship can be disrupted because she can either go towards God and towards you or away from God and away from you. Now, when Ira does something now, which is rebellion, you get mad at her, but you don't hurt the child. But Ira goes 25 and he rebels and goes away from you. You hurt. You don't get mad. You hurt. You hurt because you know she's not a child. She's not a child. And you do not have the power to get mad or change anything, which is out of your hands now. You only have the power to hurt. 
that's what God is talking about. So fellowship has all these connotations <laughs> which we need to be very, very realized. Fellowship has all its connotations. Uh, And that's how God deals. So we need to understand. Let them go, I would say. Let them go. But the question is, to let them go, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? If you're willing to pay the price, what happens is, it doesn't matter who it is. If you're willing to pay the price, P-R-I-C-E, then the price, P-R-I-Z-E-Z-E, is fellowship with God changes to another level. As soon as Terah died, God spoke to Abraham. Lot left. Mm-hmm. And God appeared to Abraham. The covenant is renewed. As soon as Lot left, God spoke to Abraham and said, Look around. Everywhere when there is a leaving of this flesh, there is an increase in the spirit. That's how it works. Proportional increase in the spirit. But these people, each person has to choose to let them go. Don't worry about them. God will take care of them. God will take God to care of Lord, God to care of Ishmael, but you are worried. Always I say, you are not worried about them, you are worried about yourself. That is the issue. You are not, oh, if I let go, what will happen to them? No, be honest, look in the mirror and say, if I let go of them, what will happen to me? That is the issue. You are not hurting over them. You don't want to get hurt, so you hold on to them. And what happened? That's so many parents do that. So the children never <laughs> reach their potential. They never release their children. Oh, Lord, you have to I'm let go. Safe. You have to let go of them. Oh. You have to ask they grow older, release, release, release. So of course they will make mistakes, but otherwise they will never learn. As long as we are in this body, we will make mistakes, but we have to learn through our mistakes mm. that comes from gradually releasing them and finally letting them go. Otherwise, prodigal son could have been held back. What do you want? Why do you want to leave the house? No, I want to explore the world. What are you exploring? What do you want to explore? I want to drink. Okay, then. I want to visit prostitutes. Okay, don't worry. I'll build an outhouse for you over here. Get your alcohol, get your prostitutes, but don't leave because if you leave, I can't handle it. So it was never about him. It was about you. It was about you. For the father, it's not about him. It's about him. He needs to go. He needs to fall. He needs to learn. When he comes back, he's the man who loves God. That's risky, Pastor. It's risky. <laughs> but love is love is a risk. But C.S. Lewis says love is always a risk. God so loved the world. It's a risk. It's a risk. And he's he's been broken hearted for 6,000 years because every man, woman, child who goes to hell, he loves them. Loves them. It's a risk. Love is always a risk. There's no guarantee in love. It's a risk. Always a risk. Because the free will of the other. And like CSO is the only place you're safe from loving is hell. Hell. In hell? (laughs) No risk. Because no love. No love. Okay. That is, it is our fears that we stop. We have to release our children and keep praying. Keep praying that they will come. That's where I, that's where you see, even when the son, father left the son and let him go, he never lost faith. Because when the son is coming back, the father sees him far away. That means every day he was watching. You don't watch unless you believe he will come back. He will come back. I believe he will come back. 
And it doesn't matter what form he comes back. The fact is that he has to come back. That's all it matters. Love is a risk. It is a risk. <laughs> whether it's a marriage or whether it is children or whether it is a church, love is a risk. Everything. But the Bible says the risk that with great rewards though. Huh? With great, great rewards, rewards, love will never oh, fail. Man. Now the thing is that, yes, you look at this father with two sons. At the end of the story, you have two sons. One son messed up, came back. The other son never messed up. But I will tell you, the son who came back will give the father peace. The other son, he's still not sure. Where is this fellow going? He still has not got into the house. Now he's not worrying about this son creating trouble. <laughs> now he's worried about this son. Who never gave him trouble. Never gave him trouble creating trouble. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now you tell me, who gives him peace? The prodigal son gives him peace. The elder son, who never left the boundaries, strict boundaries. I have done this, I have done this, I have never disobeyed you, but you never gave me. Now he's worrying about this fellow. Mm. But this one will never give him trouble because he's understood grace. He's basically talking about grace and law. Mm. This fellow is living under the law. Mm. But this fellow went in search of truth, found truth and came back, understood the grace of God. And now he has understood grace. He will not give me a trouble. He understood full trouble. Even if he fails, he will immediately get back and run to me and say that I am sorry, but this fellow is a problem. He found the love behind the law. <laughs> I mean, if you, can, yeah. if you want to put it that way. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Pastor, you want to take question number three, the last question? Uh, Up to you. You're the yeah. one who's preaching. <laughs> one, one question. It says, yeah. why did God bring darkness and earthquake when Jesus was crucified? This is a oh my gosh. It's a very difficult question. It's not <laughs> difficult. It's a difficult And you can't believe this question is asked by a four-year-old. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. The Jesus. mother wrote to me from Colfax. Colfax is in Ohio? Or is it not Ohio? I think. Okay. Colfax. I think it's U.S. is one of its, one of or the largest county in the U.S. Colfax County. So the little one asked this question, why, why, why? The mother wrote to me saying, she's in that why stage. Okay, <laughs> please parents, when your children at that age will have a thousand questions. Mm-mm. Why? You tell them something also, they will ask you why. <laughs> Don't get mad. Okay, that's that. That is that age when they inquisitive. are inquisitive. Okay, so let's go to Matthew chapter 27. And words 45 to 52. No, 53. Now the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, I'm not Hebrew, so I will read it my maluwe, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabastani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> Some of those who stood there when they heard that this man is calling for Elijah, immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. So, okay, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, 
and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When Jesus is dying or dies, around six miracles happen. When darkness covers the earth, or we don't know whole earth, or localized for three hours. Second thing that happens is in verse 40, 51. Okay. The veil of the temple was torn from into two from top to bottom. The third thing that happens is the earthquake and the rocks were split. Okay, mm-hmm. the rocks were closed. And fourth thing that happened is where the graves were opened. Okay, you need to realize uh, the, this, you know Jesus also. The graves were basically kind of holes, caves dug into the, the hill and the dead body was put and shut with a rock. The rock split. Okay, the rock split and the graves opened. Okay, earthquake. Rock split. Great. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. They came back. Like Lazarus, they came back. Okay. This is happening when Jesus is dying. But three days later, they come out of the graves after the resurrection. So there are, do you want to put it as five or six? Five miracles that are specific to Jesus' death that takes place. Each one of them is a message. What does each of these things mean? Okay, each of these things mean. Again, the whole thing here, like I said, all this is written for the believers, not for the skeptics. By faith we understand. Oh, did all these things happen? They did happen. How do you know? By faith we understand. The first thing that happens over there is now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the whole land. Okay? There is darkness. Now, if you look at it, if you go to the Gospel according to John, okay, God, to chapter, first we go to chapter 1. Okay? Verse 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. The first thing is Jesus is represented to us as light. And he came into the darkness. And his life was the light, and the darkness did not comprehend it. If you come to chapter 3 of um, of Gospel according to John itself, and verse 19 and 20. This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Okay, their deeds were evil. So if you come to the culmination of Jesus' life on earth, he was arrested in the dark. Arrested in the dark. They did not. And Jesus asked the question, why did you come in the dark? I was always with you (laughs) during the day. He was arrested in the dark. The trial was in the dark. So these are symbols used. Okay. When there was a fall. Now you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That is the beginning of creation. Okay. Between chapter 1 and uh, chapter 1, verse 1, and 1, 2, something happened, which is the first rebellion which is in heaven. 
Okay, something happened in heaven. As a result of that rebellion, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. So that's the first time we hear the word darkness over there. And then when God speaks, the first words he speaks in the recreation or the second creation, as we see here in verse 3 is, let there be light. Mm. Okay. So you need to realize, okay, now if you come to, if I'm right, Romans chapter 8, 19 to 22. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. If you look at, yeah, uh, uh, if you look at that first verse, uh, 19, okay, 19. For earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So, there is a connection with creation and the sons of God. Okay. So, the first revealed son of God, son of God is Jesus, the son of God. So, there is a revelation. When he is dying, the whole creation goes dark. Because he was the light. Mm. As he is being revealed, the earth shakes. There's an earthquake. Because the sons of God are being revealed. The true sons of God are being revealed. When Paul and Silas are praying and um, worshipping and praying, there's an earthquake. Because there's a revelation of a true son of God who in the midst of abuse and shame and tribulation is worshipping God according to faith. So there is a creation is reacting there. And there is an earthquake. Okay? So you have to see what God is. So these are only to the sons of God. It is being spoken. It's got nothing to the people. Say, ah, nothing like that happened. You leave the skeptic. Why are you reading and listening to the skeptics? Because it is by faith we understand each of these things that are, we are understanding. Even, even creation is working in tandem with God's purpose for his children, not for the rest of the world. It is working only according God's will for his children. And Jesus is the firstborn among many. Yes. Firstborn among many. So when Jesus is dying, because he's literally the light of this world, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the first word which God speaks is light. Let there be light. And here, now the light is being put out by men. Why? Because they loved darkness and their deeds were dark. They came in the night, had a kangaroo coat in the night. They handed it over to the Gentiles who washed his hands and ordered him to be crucified. Now the light of the world is hanging over them mm. and darkness covers for three hours. Mm. And the Bible says first thing what happens is as he is dying, the transition is taking place from the old covenant to the new covenant. Because when the, he is dying, the, world, the, the is blood being. is being shed. And he will say, this is the blood of my new covenant. The transition is taking place. What is the transition between the old covenant and the new covenant? Let's leave the new co old covenant. What is the new covenant? 
fellowship will be restored between man and God again. God has been waiting for that day. What was the ultimate symbol of fellowship being blocked even in Israel? There was this veil that separated man from the Holy of Holies. <laughs> you could not come in there. You entered there, you died. Mm. But desire is to enter there, fellowship with God. But if any man comes there, he dies. Only the high priest could enter once a year with blood and had to apply blood for himself and for the nation. It was called the Day of Atonement. And he was waiting to get out because he didn't want to stay there. But that was the place. So the Bible, if you read it very carefully in verse 51, it's a very thick curtain. Very, very thick curtain. Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two. How? From top to bottom. Now, right behind you is a curtain. If you want to tear it, you won't climb on the chair and tear it from the top. You will put a scissor and try to cut it from the bottom up. But this is a curtain that is very, very high. So this was not by man. This was by God. Why did he tear? Now man can come back to the presence of God once again. Now you go there and you go to the book of Hebrews. And you will see. This is basically what is happening. So they are all connected. Ten. And verse 19 and 20. Hebrews 10, verse 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus and by a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is flesh. So the veil that was torn from top to bottom was his body that was broken, was hanging on the cross. Here he is hanging on the cross, but there the veil is being torn. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he had to, his body had to be torn, strips of his back whipped in the blood. And his body, is, that's God, has through the blood and through his body. So all these things are happening. There's a darkness because men loved darkness and they put out the light. They put out the light. So darkness is coming. Creation is reacting to what is happening. But creation is working along with it. You know what? The curtain rents. There is an earthquake. There is an earthquake. When the law was given, there was an earthquake. The earth shook when he spoke. Now when he is dying, the earth is shaking again. But two different contexts. There came the law with which came in judgment and condemnation. Here the law is being put away and the earth is shaking because the sons of God will be revealed Maybe, now. Yes. It is not condemnation. It is forgiveness, mercy and redemption. So all kinds of things are happening over here, over here. And these are the five or six miracles that happens when he is dying. When he is dying. And those saints who went out, they, this is not the kind of resurrection with the new body. It's a resurrection with the old body because nobody has got the new body yet except other Christ Jesus. They went and revealed themselves, I do only to the believing Jews. Hmm. You need to understand Jesus is never at a point to prove any point to the world. If he wanted to prove a point, when he rose again, he should have showed himself to the world. He never did. He only showed to the believers. He didn't show it to anybody else. He didn't even go and show himself to his mother or his brothers. I do believe he did, but later. The reason is because they did not believe. So it didn't matter. Even it could be your own mother or your own brothers, but if they don't believe, what's the point of appearing? That's the the answer Abraham tells the rich man in hell. Hmm. Oh, if he goes, Lazarus goes back and he says, he has a law and the prophets. If they don't believe in that, they won't believe in resurrection. Wow. They won't believe in that. So Jesus showed himself to Mary, who tarried. 
and then he showed himself to his disciples that day evening and the bible says like if you go to the book of acts chapter 1 the book of acts chapter 1 and after we are told to stay in jerusalem and the bible says in verse 30 acts chapter 1 12 13 and 14 then they returned the first thing he had told them is that go back to jerusalem tarry in jerusalem the fact of the matter is that many of them did not go back to jerusalem so they did not obey the first command first command was to go to jerusalem not to wait because mm-hmm. you can wait anywhere that's not what he said go to jerusalem and wait mm-hmm. because paul says in first corinthians 15 the lord appeared to over 500 disciples but all the disciples did not obey what he said only 120 obeyed and if he you want to put it all together okay we'll come back there because let's look at first corinthians chapter 15 over 500 okay so that we know we are not randomly we are using scripture alone to to okay yeah. words uh, words 4 uh, onwards 3 4 you can read yeah corinthians 15 hmm. okay he was seen by four five says he was seen by sephas then by the 12 and were six after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once okay so we don't know the actual order yeah exactly there is not the actual clear. order it's very clear okay because how did god jesus reveal himself to people we don't know the actual order that's between jesus and the disciple but it says after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remained to present but some have fallen asleep yeah. so he revealed himself to 500 people but when you go back to the book of acts it is says they returned to jerusalem from the mount called olivet which is near jerusalem a sabbath day's journey and when they had entered they went up into the upper room where they were staying peter james john andrew philip thomas bartholomew and matthew james the son of alphaeus simon the zealot and judas the son of James 11 after these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus with his brother so between his resurrection and his ascension his mother and his brothers believed mm. between mother believed see you believe are also in different different stages okay her belief in the son as the disrupted savior the whole salvation message i do believe it only happened later with his brothers to remember in john chapter 7 they mock him and the bible writes very clearly the his world, brothers did not believe in him the world cannot hate you mm. yeah the brother he, he tells it very yeah, clearly his brothers did not believe you mm. look at that we are not randomly yeah. shooting this thing looking seven. at script john chapter 7 1 verse 5 john 7 even his brothers did not believe in him and he talks about his mother and his brothers coming and he's in a meeting and calling him outside and he does not go and they said your mother and your brothers are here. and he makes his point of reference who is my mother who is my brother he looks at them and says everyone who does the will of god is my mother so point of reference if they are, if they believe why are they not inside why are they not inside so you have to look at this and you will realize that in between this is when they believe it's when they believe and uh, that is how it starts 
And that time, how many of them were there? There were 120. The next word says, verse 15 says, there were 120. So the question is, if there were only 120, what happened to 380? <laughs> what happened to 380? Did they stop believing? No, they believed. But they did not experience what was promised. Hmm. They did not experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit comes upon. So even today, the church is not that they are bad people. They are good people. They are witness of the resurrection. Uh, the Lord has appeared to them. They go around preaching the gospel. There are many good people among them. But the church is divided into two groups. One group, main two groups. The believing church is one. Those who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And those who do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right from the beginning, it has been split that yeah, way. <laughs> But both groups are witnesses of the resurrection. Both groups believe Jesus died and he rose again. But where do they diverge? One did not experience something. Why? Because they didn't believe. He said, wait, in Jerusalem, they didn't wait. So this continues like that. But that does not make them unbelievers. They are believers. Those who did not experience. And those who experience, Brother, yeah, mm, those mm, who experience this don't call them demonic either. They are also believers. Because they believe in everything that you do. And you believe in only thing they believe in everything. But you don't believe in everything they believe. What is written. That's how it goes. Hmm, praise so, God. So go to that question. I know question. So we are all moving from various levels of darkness to light. Mm. The entrance of his word brings light. We are not fully in the light. Nobody is fully in the light because we cannot handle that light. Once we are released from this body, we will move into that light. But even then, I don't think we can comprehend all that light. It will still be limited because God is light. We'll take all of eternity to keep on moving in that light mm. to understand him better and better and better and better and enjoy him better. But right now God says, by faith, rejoice. Mm. Give thanks. Okay, one day you will see and you will realize what an idiot I was. I should have rejoiced more. I should have just thanked. <laughs> I didn't realize the incident. I listened to that devil and said all kind of stupid stuff and never rejoiced, never worshipped. In his mercy, he put me through. So now, by faith. And Paul says in one person, then we shall be known as we are. We shall see him as he is and we shall also, we don't even really understand ourselves. 1 John chapter 3. Hmm? 6, 7, 8. 1 John? 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse, uh, I'll tell you the exact verse. Yeah. Uh, now we do not know how Yes, it was uh, 234. Sure? Yes. Thank you. 2 and 3. Beloved, we, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. <laughs> what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Okay. As long as you see, remember, I'm an easy illustration for Indians. I don't know, you guys were not even born. When we were in class, I don't know, degree first year or second year, India's first limousine called Contessa was released. <laughs> <laughs> Contessa Nobody even 
you have you guys haven't even heard the name contest ambassador brought a limousine we all went to the showroom to see this limousine today you won't give it a say you will see cheap reason is when you haven't seen the original mm. you will always admire the duplicate <laughs> Okay. We haven't seen the original. Original. original is Jesus. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Hmm. Is the original? What is that? God will change us to be like Him. Bah. Okay, I'm but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That is the day. So we don't have to look at the end. So petrified, the end should be only connected with the unsaved ones, or the struggling ones, and our own race. That's the end, but not in fear. Hmm. Amen. Fear. Amen. We shall close. Yes, Pastor Vijay. We'll close in prayer. Father, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your children. Thank you for all who send, including little, little. Jemima from Colfax, Lord, who is asking why darkness, Lord, to to. So interesting, Lord, that children are listening. We think our little children are not listening to the scripture being read. The scripture, they are seeing things which we don't see. We don't spend time on, Father. I'm sure, Lord, most people who heard today did not know there were five or six miracles connected with the death of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But a little child saw, and she's asking question: Why that darkness? Thank you, Lord, for all these children, little Jemima, little young Shalom. Thank you for all of them, Father, and the questions they ask, because you are the answer. You just don't give answers. You are the answer, and He who has found you has got the answer to life, because the Word of God says, "He who has the Son." Has life, so I continue to pray for those who do not know you, who are struggling. I pray, Lord, they will come to you. You will remove that blindness from their eyes, that they will see that all that we are seeking and looking for is only found in Christ. That peace, that joy, and by faith we learn to rejoice, sing, worship, speak right, believe right. And trust God to walk right. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Once again, commit everyone into their hands. Speak peace into their hearts, O oh Lord, and rest into their souls. Be with the church. If you tarry to come tonight, you give us another day in the land of the living. Help us all to gather in your house and worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.